0: Our uh, reading this evening is from Isaiah chapter forty, which is on page seven hundred and twenty-four in the Church Bibles. Page uh, seven two four. Isaiah chapter forty, and we will read the p- verses one to eleven. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people... Are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Oh, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is God's word.
1: Good evening. evening. John, thank you so much for reading our passage. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for these verses that we've just had read to us. Father, we pray that you would comfort your people tonight, and we pray that you would do so through your spirit and through your word. We pray that your spirit would be at work in me and in all of us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Does God care about me? Does God care about me? Have you ever ever asked yourself that question? Of course you have. It's it's not hard to find ourselves asking that question when we're going through a tough time. Perhaps we're we're having a stressful time at work, or we're being bullied at school, or we we fall ill. Someone we love uh, suffers. Someone we love passes away. When suffering or disaster strikes, we often wonder, does God care? This is the question that the Judahites, or the people from the tribe of Judah, as we'll see later, would have been, would have been asking, following their, their exile into Babylon. To give us the, the background to our passage, I want us to look at the prophetic word that Isaiah spoke to King Hezekiah at the end of chapter 39. So have a look there, chapter 39, verse 5. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. What did Hezekiah learn was, was going to happen to God's people, the people of Judah? Their precious city, Jerusalem, would be ransacked. The people would be exiled, and some of Hezekiah's own male descendants would even be emasculated. And do you know how Hezekiah responded? Look at what he says in verse 8. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. What Hezekiah's response to the coming suffering, his fellow Judahites, even his own descendants... going to face. Hey, at least it doesn't affect me. I'm not sure Hezekiah is the type of guy you'd want to be friends with, right? Hezekiah, I'm going through a really tough time right now. I'm sorry for you, bud. Do you know what? My life is amazing. (laughs) Thanks, Hezekiah. Hezekiah doesn't really care that his fellow people are going to experience judgment in the future. But contrast that with with God, with what he says in chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. That's another way of saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Which I think is is meant to take us slightly by surprise. So as soon as as judgment has just finished being announced in chapter 39, salvation is then immediately announced in the verses that follow. Yes, Isaiah wants the Israelites to know that judgment is coming, but he also wants them to know that salvation will succeed it. And this is indeed how things would play out in history. So so Judah were eventually exiled to Babylon, but 70 years later, they began to to return to Jerusalem. They were not exiled forever. But imagine what it would feel like for those who, who would go on to experience the pain of exile. They would surely have wondered, does God care? Does God care about our situation? Indeed, God knows that this is the question they would ask. So Isaiah records it for us in his prophecy. Just have a look at verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. When in exile, uh, the Judahites, whom God refers to as Israel, that's because they are the remnant of Israel. So I'm going to refer to them simply as Israel from now on. So Israel's not sure that God can see what they're going through. They think that either their suffering is, is hidden from God's sight, or that God simply doesn't care. My cause is disregarded by my God, they say. It is to these people that God says, comfort, comfort. It's going to be okay. God reassures his people that he cares. And he shows us in our passage just how he cares. We're going to to be spending our time mainly in verses uh, 1 to 11 because they are so rich. And I think it would take us all all night if we try to cover the whole of chapter 40. There's so much good stuff in here. So how can we know that God cares for us? And when I say us, who do I mean? I mean God's people. What does verse 1 say? Comfort, comfort my people. Who does does God mean when he says my people? Before Christ, that meant Jews. Jews. And after Christ, it means all those who trust in the Messiah, Jesus, whether they're Jew or non-Jew. And folks, yes, God loves the world. He loves humanity in general, but he loves his people in a special way. They are the ones who receive this message of comfort. If you're here this evening and you're not a follower of Jesus, a follower of the Messiah, then we're delighted that you're here. I really hope and I want you to know that this message of comfort is also available to you. The comfort that God provides is available to you if, if you will trust in the Messiah. And I hope that you'll see from our passage tonight why that really is worth doing. So let's dive in. How can we know that God cares for us? We're going to see five ways in which he does. Here's the first. Our sins have been forgiven. Have a look with me at verse two. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service is has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Before we discuss these verses, it's it's worth mentioning that when Isaiah wrote this chapter, as well as the following ones, he was not writing this primarily for his contemporaries. He, he was writing this for, for the Israelites who would be in exile in Babylon several decades later. So so from Isaiah's perspective, the things he's, he's speaking of here in chapter 40 and following, they lie mainly in the future. Now, why would Isaiah have wanted to address this particular group of people, those who would be in exile? Imagine how haunting the exile would have been. Imagine what would have gone through the minds of those who experienced it. Perhaps they would have thought, how long is this going to go on for? Are we going to be here for another 10 years? Another 50, another 100? Are we going to be here forever? Is there any hope beyond our current situation? It's to these people that Isaiah wants to speak. You see, Israel, Israel had sinned grievously and continually against God. They ignored his repeated warnings. So exile was the right thing. They had to be disciplined for their rebellion. But how would they know? when they'd done their time, so to speak. Isaiah says, Israel's, Israel's sin has been paid for, and she has received double for all her sins. By the way, this, this double, it doesn't mean that Israel suffered more than she deserved. This is simply a Hebrew expression of emphasizing just how sufficient the punishment was. It's a way of highlighting that justice has been carried out. That God's people no longer have to fear punishment for their former sins. Their sins have been fully paid for. Friends, isn't that also what we learn that Christ accomplished for us. So in his first epistle, uh, the apostle Peter says, Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. What does that mean? The judgment for your sins has already been carried out. Christ died for your sins. On the cross, Christ received from the Lord's hand double for all your sins and for all my sins our sins have been fully paid for and, and what do we do to deserve that nothing nada zilch. it's all God's grace it's all his mercy does God care for us Yes, He does. He's forgiven us our sins. Here's another reason we can know that God cares. He's coming to be with us. In verses 3 to 5, you get this picture of valleys being raised up and mountains being flattened and, and rough terrain being smoothed out. Why? Why? So that a highway can be built. When I was a child um, living in South Africa, we'd go to Madeira Island uh, every so often. Um, and we'd stay in, in Funchal, which is the city. That would be our base. My parents would, you know, occasionally want to go to the village that they were from. And it would take us three hours by car to get there. And I used to hate it because I, I was always sick on the journey. Do you know how long it takes to make that same journey today? Half an hour. Half an hour. Why is it so much shorter? Because the government built loads of tunnels. So instead of having to go to go on the long, windy roads around the mountains, we can just go straight through them on the highway. And today, whenever I go there on holiday to see my family, Boy, is my stomach grateful. A straight, smooth road, rather than long, up and down, windy ones. I am so thankful for that highway. But folks, I'm even more thankful for the highway we read of in our verses. Why? Because look who's coming on this highway to his people. It says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make a highway for God. This this highway isn't merely about getting you from one part of an island to another in shorter time and so that you don't get nausea. It's about meeting with God. It's about having his presence. It's about knowing him. God Comes to his people. These verses are cited in each of the four gospels. So, all the gospels, all the gospels show us that when Christ came to earth, God came to earth. You see, Jesus wasn't merely a prophet, he was and is God. And he came to earth to be with his people. He made his dwelling among us. And we will be with him again forever when he returns. Friends, we can know that God cares for us because he comes to be with us. Thirdly, we can know God cares for us Because he gives us his enduring word. Have a look at the second half of verse 6. All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. And then verse 8. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. how would the Israelites who, who witnessed their city destroyed and then were taken into, into exile have viewed Babylon as a terrifying, mighty superpower? But here's the thing. Where's, where's the Babylonian Empire today? It's in the British Museum. It didn't take very long For the empire to fall. You see, every earthly empire eventually crumbles. They're like grass, they're temporary. Think of the grass in the summer, right? June, July, when the temperature's in in the late 30s, in the high 30s. What happens to the grass? It's not green for long, is it? It goes brown, it's scorched by the heat. Israel's enemies, they're grass they will pass away. Similarly, the things that cause me and you strife and affliction today, they will also pass away. Here's one thing, though, that will not pass away. God's word. It doesn't change. It's constant. It lasts forever. So Israel could have confidence in it, and they could derive comfort from it. God's word would have provided immense comfort for Israel's believers when they were in exile. And it provides comfort to us today as well. Comfort that our sins are forgiven and that God is present with us. We have God's enduring word. Brothers and sisters, that is a sign of God's care for us. Here's another. God powerfully fights for us. Have a look at verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. If I were to show you my arm, it wouldn't really instill much fear in you, would it? But if, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson were to show you his arm, well, you'd, you'd be able to tell this guy is strong. This guy is pretty powerful, right? The, the size of his arm gives us an idea of his strength. Now, God the Father, of course, doesn't have a, a, a literal physical arm because God is spirit. Spirit. So so what is this? This is a metaphor for his strength. What we learn is that God uses his strength, his infinite strength, to fight for his people. And when he defeats his and, and their enemies, he brings his people a reward. Now the reward here isn't it's not specified, is it? But given the context. Uh, It could be freedom from captivity, and it could be the repopulating of their city, Jerusalem. In Christ, too, we have many, we have countless rewards. God fought for us. He fought for us on the cross, and he's freed us from captivity. He's freed us from captivity to, to sin and death. And he's prepared for us a new heavenly Jerusalem to live in together with him. Friends, God powerfully fights for us because he cares for us. Finally, we can know that God cares for us in the way that he leads us. God gently leads us. That's our last point. Have a look at verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I've recently been watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Rachel somehow managed to persuade me to watch it and I got hooked. Now, one of the people I've most enjoyed watching on the show is Tony Bellew, the former professional boxer. Now, I expected him to be this really hard, tough guy. But on the show, you get to see a really tender side to him. He's actually quite gentle with people. And he seems to have a soft heart. Now, unless, unless on camera he's you know he's pretending to be someone he's not in reality, I don't which I don't think is the case. I think he's a genuine guy. I think, or I suspect, that he must be a great dad, and his kids must love having him as their dad. He can picture them. Um, you're know, proudly saying to their friends at school, "Hey, guess what my dad does? He's a boxer." <laughs> you know what kids are like. You see, his his children probably feel safe to have a dad like him, a dad who is strong. But I think that they will feel safe not only because he's strong but also because he's gentle. When someone is strong, but not also gentle, rather than feeling safe, you might actually feel threatened. And that's because you're just not sure how they're going to use their strength. Is it going to be for you? Or is it going to be against you? And sadly, way, way too many people know this fear or this feeling from personal experience. But when you know that someone is strong and they're gentle and that they're on your side, then you can feel safe. You can feel secure. You can feel at peace, at ease. You can take a deep breath. how wonderful it is to learn from our verses that the God we serve, he's not only strong like a mighty warrior, but he's also gentle like a tender shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. The ESV says he carries them in his bosom. That's what I like to do with Joel. I don't have much of a bosom, but I like to hold him close to my chest. And then it says that God gently leads those that have young. Folks, when, when you have children, you're immensely concerned about their welfare, aren't you? Indeed, you're you're more concerned about their welfare than your own. A few weeks ago, I was chatting with uh, Nigel and Jane when Joel wasn't very well, and I said how hard it was for you know Joel, you know his tiny hand to get a cannula in his, like to get a cannula in. Like it was just, I was like oh, and Nigel said yeah you want you want to go no put it put the cannula in my hand instead, which is exactly right. If I could, i would go, no, put the cannula in my hand, not in my son's hand. And I hate needles but I'll do that for my son. You see, God knows the anxieties that parents have about their children. So Isaiah spotlights God's care, his care for those who who are concerned about their little children. And how does God treat them? He leads them. And he does so not hurriedly or harshly, Gently, gently. God knows our worries. He knows our concerns. And He gently leads us. Friends, whenever, whenever you feel unsure that God cares for you, I encourage you to pick up your Bible and turn to Isaiah 40. Read these verses and mull on them. And be comforted afresh by God's amazing care for you. We can know that God cares for us. Our sins have been forgiven. God comes to be with us. He gives us his enduring word. He powerfully fights for us. And he gently leads us. Let's pray. God, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that as soon as we read about judgment, immediately afterwards we read about comfort. Father, we thank you so much that we can indeed be comforted in you, that in you and in, in your Son we are forgiven. Thank you for how we know that you care for us because you come to be with us. You give us your word, which is everlasting. And thank you for how you fight for us. And thank you that you are so tender with us. That you are gentle. Father, we pray that we would regularly come to these verses for comfort. Comfort us tonight and this week we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.